Hey guys, I'm Claire Kingsley and it's go time. This is a special podcast series that we're publishing for our global outreach conference. Over the course of two weeks, we are releasing five podcasts with our featured missionaries. You've heard me say this enough times probably, but in case you haven't, the purpose of our go time podcast series is twofold. First, we want to introduce our missionaries to you. Maybe you don't know much about them or what they do, and we want you to hear a few stories from their time in missions. Second, We want to give our missionaries an opportunity to tell us what they need, and then for us to respond by joining their support team. This could look like financial or prayer support, signing up for updates, and sending regular encouragement. On today's episode, I interview Jeff and Peg Schrum. The Schrums have been a part of our Faith Missions family for 30 years. They currently live in Dallas, Texas, though you'll hear in the podcast that's not where they've always been. And over the course of the 30 years, they've been partnered with Wycliffe Bible Translation. They have a lot of stories to share, and I hope that you enjoy hearing what God is doing through Wycliffe, through the Shrums, around the world. Originally, when we recorded this podcast back in August, Jeff and Peg were not planning to come to Indianapolis for our GoTime conference. They now are able to join us, and so hopefully you'll get to see them in person at some point over the course of the conference or afterwards. And I encourage you to check in on them, say hi, and make them feel welcome. Here's my interview with Jeff and Peg Shrum. Hi, guys. We're glad to have you. Hello. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Sorry we couldn't be there with you in Indianapolis. We miss you, but um, we're glad that you guys are home and safe and healthy. So uh, Peg and Jeff, for a family or a listener who doesn't know anything about your life or your ministry, how would you introduce yourselves and how would you explain what you do? Well, I would like to just talk about our mission. We're with Wycliffe Bible Translators and Wycliffe's vision is to provide the Bible in a language that's well understood to every person in the world so they can be transformed by the word of God. My role with Wycliffe uh, has changed. We Peg and I were in Mozambique, and we were in a translation project. Then we moved back to the United States in 2014. And after finishing the publication of the scriptures we worked on, I became a language technology consultant. And in that role, I use the expertise I learned from doing translation, including linguistics, to help people use the software tools that are needed for Bible translations, very specific uh, things that you would do in translation, things related to linguistics. So uh, for languages that haven't been written down until recently, so often there's a lot of need for support uh, to make that work. And that's a big part of what I do. Uh, I help people individually but also we have workshops and then lately webinars because we can't meet together. Uh, I've traveled to Indonesia and Mozambique and other places to be part of workshops. Um, But we also make training manuals, documentation. We have a big project of uh, training videos for our uh, most important software called Paratext, which is a jointly owned software tool for Bible translation between United Bible Societies and SIL. And so we are making uh, 
a whole set of videos and they're being translated into several important languages around the world, Indonesian, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, Chinese, to make it easier for people to get the help they need to be more efficient and to take advantage of all the cool features that Paratex has that really makes for a better translation. Right. And Jeff, I just have to add that um, just to give our listeners some background, you said in a previous conversation that you're engineering minded and technical minded and here you are talking about linguistics and providing translation. Mm -hmm. How did those go together? That seems like it would be out of your zone. Well, um, in short form, when I was studying engineering, I went to Urbana Missions Conference and heard some people from Wycliffe speak about what they do. And it really caught my interest because I thought, well, well, I'd heard that you might be a doctor or a pilot and a missionary and certainly a church planner, a preacher, teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't heard of some of these other roles. And so when I heard of uh, the Bible translation task, that it's very much about solving problems, and that's what engineering does. I was really uh, captivated by that, and the Lord took that, and uh, I felt him calling me into missions, and it was something I felt like I could do, that it wasn't like impossible, to, a bad fit for me. Mm -hmm. I've since grown in other areas. I have learned to do more teaching and preaching, but at that point in my life, in college, it was... I was studying engineering for a reason, and uh, I like solving problems and collecting data and information, which you do about languages and cultures, and so you're constantly learning and, and solving problems, like how do I express this in this language or this culture that maybe they are more organized around uh, shame instead of guilt and innocence, and they, they might not have a word important word that you so you need to under collect the information about the culture and mm -hmm. and how to say things yeah that's so neat and i'm i love hearing that you were um, called to missions through urbana many of our students go to urbana i went as a student myself and um, it's so impactful and i love hearing um just stories of what god does in that time that short amount of time um calling his people to to do his work Peg, um, why don't you give us an idea of what your day-to-day -day ministry looks like? Sure. Um, I'm a translation consultant, and that means that once a group uh, gets their translation drafted, then I do editing, checking, um, proofreading, all those things that any book has to have done. Um, and so right now I'm working on Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, for the Pacos Novos people, who is a tribe in the Amazon jungle. So um, it's really challenging. I look for um, omissions in each verse. So if there's a little idea that didn't get translated when they were worrying about all the big chunks, <laughs> then I, I try to catch that. And sometimes people will add stuff because they're trying to explain this, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like preaching. You know, you can add a lot of details to help people understand when you're preaching. And so a lot of the translators are preachers. So they tend to 
preach instead of translating. So you kind of have to say, this is true, but it's not in our text. <laughs> it's okay. not in this yes. uh, And then uh, we also look for consistency. So a lot of people, when they're translating, have to um, use a phrase instead of like one word. And like, for instance, um, in the last days, that, that's repeated over and over and over in various books. Well, people will come up with two or three ways to say that in the moment. And so you have to make sure that in the end, at the end of their translating, um, they go back and make those all the same. And the same is true for, sure. for many terms like that. Um, then the accuracy of the meaning. Just did they get the idea of the verse right? <laughs> or the chapter right because as you know if you read the book of hebrews a lot of it is like what <laughs> so um we check check the accuracy um also the uh, relationship between phrases like sometimes they won't catch the idea that this is a conditional phrase or this is because of this this is the result of what happens, um, or if it's a but construction. Uh, so you have to make sure they get all of that, which, you know, the little conjunctions in languages are the hardest thing in most languages. <laughs> like, what does that mean in that language? Mm -hmm. So. And Peg, can you tell us, like, um, give us an idea of what your training or background was to prepare you for this position? Well, as I said, we met in our studies, and um, we had two, I had two straight years of linguistics and translation studies. Okay. And then on our furloughs, we had uh, two or three furloughs where, um, where we studied also. And then when we came back from doing the Takwani translation, I took Greek, and then I went and did a... Um, four-week workshop on how to be a consultant over in Thailand. So uh, that's, that's what it all added up to. Okay. Why don't you guys tell me what God has been doing in your ministry in Wycliffe and through you? Okay. So we just uh, did a training here in Dallas. The translation department, which is for SIL, which is based here, said, we, we're, we need some paratext training. But we want it open to anybody. So it was announced worldwide. And we had about 25 people. And uh, often at these workshops, you'll get somebody who's been working for a long time, but they just, they kind of remind you of a per person coming in out of the desert. They're just so thirsty. Like they just drink it all in. Yeah. And uh, those, those are fun. I, I'm not a trained teacher. I'd imagine though, if you're a teacher, those students that really want to learn, that's the, those are the cool ones. So uh, there were a couple of people like that at this workshop that we had in Dallas. Um, one lady is, works in Vanuatu in the South Pacific, which is very remote. And they don't have a lot of structure. And the, the projects tend to be pretty independent because there's one island here and 500 miles away, there's another island. But uh, she talked to her uh, the translation coordinator for 
the Vanuatu group and said, we really need training. This is coming up. I'm like, well, we don't have money. And what? But uh, she uh, paid half and all of her colleagues said, we'll pay the other half, but you must come back and teach us what you learn. And she was so excited and all this things she was wow. doing and working with some of the other software to work on our dictionaries, which a lot of people in that part of the world are also making dictionaries. And she was so excited. There's about 25 projects going on and in Vanuatu. We couldn't go there and do training, but she lives there and works there and she went back. She's also been there a while. So she's also become a translation consultant. Mm -hmm. And that often happens is you get near the end of your own translation and you gain that experience As many people go through that career path of becoming a translation consultant. So she can use this knowledge with other teams when she's visiting them and checking, checking their work. One of the things that God's doing in Wycliffe is he's really expanding the ministry to include um, lots of people from the global South that, the global south church and it's not how it looked before where all the expats go to africa or south pacific or whatever and do the work but it's much more um training oriented where we go and uh, teach the local people how to do the work and uh, then let them carry on mm -hmm. um, and then also, another area where he's expanding the work is through digital translations. One of the really neat things um, that's, that's come of all this digitizing is a place for all of the Bibles Wycliffe's ever done to be digitized in a library. Not just ours, but the Bible societies and any other organization. Um, they're all in the same format in a library. And then people can draw from that library if they have the right credentials, <laughs> but it preserves everything. You know, it's not on a CD somewhere, <laughs> somebody's closet. <laughs> and also um, from that, people can make apps for their own language, or you have things like Uversion mm -hmm. that has 700 translations on it. So when you, when, every time I see one of these advertisements saying, oh, send Bibles to some remote place, I think, grab the app off the app store, <laughs> open up the Bible in your language, <laughs> because God's really just exploded that ministry. So many places where you can't have a Bible, or, you get, or if you have a Bible and you get caught with it, you're dead. <laughs> you know, you can have an app. <laughs> Yes. Nobody will see. So, yes. Um, and some of the statistics about like these closed countries and the number of users that are in there reading the Bible, it's just amazing. It just gives me goosebumps to see how God's using this modern technology. Yeah. And I'd just like to mention with all of our talk about increased accessibility and um, the success of Bible translations, there's also a lot of work that's left that needs to still be done in the work of Bible translations. Do you guys have an idea? How many languages do we still need to um, have a translation for? It's around 2,700. Um, 
depending who's counting. <laughs> so there's plenty of room for people to join the, join the team. Yes. Another area is uh, there's a growing desire as some of these New Testaments have been around or portions. The churches that have sprung up over the years are saying, we now want the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And there's more work on Old Testaments in Wycliffe than ever before. In fact, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but I took Hebrew this past spring, and I'll take two more courses uh, starting about September. And I'm moving into being a translation consultant, but also working with the tools in Hebrew. Hebrew is a, for those who know anything about it, it's a very different kind of writing system. And, and uh, we're working on tools within, with SIL and Bible Society to give people more access to, to the Hebrew, Greek and Hebrew texts mm -hmm. and lexicons and understanding that so that they're not so limited. Uh, and it, it's, there's some technical challenges because Hebrew writes the other way and it's, yeah. it's very graphical. And uh, so I'm, it's kind of a challenge at uh, my age to, to learn Hebrew, but I survived the first class, so I'm gonna try it again. Yeah, you could pray for him. <laughs> can one of you share a story um, of being able to see firsthand the impact that your translation to the Taquani people had? Anyone that you got to meet and just see the joy or hear even maybe a secondhand story of when they have this in their hands now? Well, there was a, a man that we met and talked to who was kind of complaining about the translation. And this was an effect we didn't really expect because he said, I've been preaching for years and what I do is I get up and I read the text in Portuguese, which is the national language there and the only Bible they had. And then I spend my preaching time explaining the Portuguese to the Taklani speakers. He said, but now I read the text in Taklani and I don't know what to say because they all just understand it. <laughs> so I think that's a good effect of our translation. <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful. And to take his preaching up another notch. <laughs> a couple other stories. One was, well, two are about our people in our translation team. So one of the things with translation if, if it's a project where the Wycliffe missionary becomes resident, there's a lot of discipling that goes on and sharing your life, seeing your, seeing your life, warts and all. Uh, one of our translators, uh, his name is Ezekiel Mbobo, when we had our ceremony to close our office when we finished and we were like mm -hmm. debriefing and people were, uh, we had this ceremony and people could say what they wanted about the project and the Bible and whatever. He, uh, he stood up and he said, you know, I was very religious when this project started. And through working on the Bible and understanding what it means, I've become a Christian. And, yeah. and that was pretty cool for us because they're not very expressive about their inner life. So that might sound like not very much, but that was really a big statement. Because he said most... it in front of all the other pastors, and he's yeah, a you pastor. Don't, you don't admit anything there. Really. Yeah. 
another story, maybe not quite so theological, but another one of our translators, uh, we had the dedication ceremony and uh, everyone got a Bible, Takwani Bible. And then I went back the next year to do paratext training for this, this major upgrade. It was complicated enough that people needed help switching. And um, I looked at his Takwani Bible and it's got a beautiful blue cover, but the edges are like really dirty and everything. <laughs> I said, so are you using that? I was keen to find out. Are people, oh yeah, I use it all the time. In fact, I don't even read the Portuguese anymore. I, I gave my Bible to my nephew. Well, I don't need it. This is all I ever read. So that made me, that was encouraging that there are some people who are really using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other, odd thing, the other interesting thing, not odd thing, but interesting thing is we did an unusual kind of Bible. It's sometimes called a hybrid Bible. So we had translated the New Testament, Genesis and Exodus, but the rest of the Old Testament we didn't. But we got permission from the Bible Society of Brazil to include those other books um, in a, an easy reader version of Portuguese, low grade level. And so people like that. They have all 66 books. And uh, I think that might have helped that he, you know, those other books even he had in the same cover. So he didn't really sure. need to carry around two Bibles. Sure. Thank you guys for sharing your stories. I enjoy story time with the Shrums. You guys, those are wonderful things to be able to um, just praise God for. Yeah. The translation that I'm helping check right now for the Pacos Novus, they've been at it for like 40 years. And wow. there are churches all over the area of the Pacos Novus, pastors and believers uh, as a result of that translation. 40 years. And um, from start to finish, how long did your translation for the Taquani Bible take? It took us 12 years of translating and checking. And then we came back and then there was a year of editing and printing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't convenient to dedicate it until the next year. But we were there 18 years. So we, we learned the language. We came up with the writing system. We worked on um, literacy materials. Uh, we did uh, chronological Bible story in audio form. And, and then early on, uh, we did Luke first so we could do the Jesus film. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, it was kind of slow in terms of how many verses we were doing. And Genesis. we also did uh, Genesis film. Genesis film. Yep. And in the last year, we did an audio recording of the whole thing so we could make an app. Wow. Um, do you miss it? Do you miss being there? Yes. Really? Sometimes. <laughs> yep. Peg, what do you miss the most? Uh, the people. In Africa, you live outside. You're hardly ever inside your house. And it's very social and um, so much nature and... Uh, just kind of the adventure too, a little bit of adrenaline junkie, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So, no, but it's it was it was fun and good and so satisfying, you know, sure. to feel like the Lord's really using you. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's wonderful. Jeff, do you miss it just as much as Peg does? 
Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't as convincing when I asked the first time. <laughs> I, I do miss it at times. I'm homesick. Uh, I was just yesterday, I saw a picture of a, a red clay road in the rainy season. I was actually Ugandan, but it looked just like the roads in our province. And that whole experience of, well, it's the rainy season. You're from Wisconsin, so maybe, I don't know if it snows a lot, like every winter, okay, go, get out the snow tires, get the snow shovel. You got to be ready. If you're not ready, yep. it's bad. And it's a challenge, but if you know what to do. And so over the years, we, we learned what to do, but it, it, the travel was uh, a challenge, especially in the early years. The roads were really bad. Mm -hmm. The infrastructure was really bad. Uh, communication. So by the end, actually, more of the roads were paved and we had cell phone service and we had an ATM in town. And so the logistics got a little bit easier yeah. than at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. But the main thing is introvert, extrovert. Africa's all extroverts. <laughs> it's not my continent. No. <laughs> they didn't understand me at all. <laughs> what would be your continent? Hold up in an office in Dallas. <laughs> I, know, I, I enjoyed Indonesia when I was there. The food was hot, but uh, <laughs> yeah, someplace quieter, Thailand, Indonesia. So why don't you tell me, um, what does support look like for you, for you right now? What are your support needs? And how can our listeners and Faith Church come alongside you at this time? Yeah, well, we just want to praise the Lord that our support has been good for uh, many years. We, we are praying that more people will be interested in our ministry and and even though we don't need support now we would love people to get our newsletter and to have contact with us or visit us and uh, learn about the ministry so please um, become a prayer partner and uh, get our newsletter even if right now we we don't have a a, a big support need i think one other thing that people would could do for support is just be an encourager. Um, this Hebrew stuff is really hard. And if you would drop Jeff a text sometime during next semester or a call even or a note, um, that it's a tough, it's a tough go. Mm -hmm. So I know he'll need encouragement <laughs> through that semester. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Thanks for adding that. If you guys were able to talk to every brand new team member signing up for um, prayer updates or uh, signing up to be a part of your prayer team and financial team, what would you like to say to them? I guess the, the first thing I would say is thank you for joining this team because it takes everybody to get the job done. I mean, we obviously can't do this work without prayer and finances. Mm -hmm. And everybody brings their own strengths to the ministry. Like Jeff was saying before, you don't have to be a medical doctor to be a missionary. So come join us. Um, you can partner by coming, you can partner by <laughs> financing, and you can partner by prayer, and yeah. you can partner by encouraging. Mm -hmm. So thank you for whatever you are willing to do. We're praising the Lord for, for Peg's a recovery uh, people who followed her on carrying bridge uh, know how serious some of that was and 
it, we're just thankful that we are here in Dallas near a major teaching hospital that knows some of these very cutting edge things. So it's, uh, it's amazing. Praising God that Great. she is uh, doing as well as she is after the cancer on her head and then issues with her eyes. Mm -hmm. um, very complicated. And that seems to be kind of under control. And we're very thankful for all the prayer and the support and messages we got through that whole time. Yeah, it's just fantastic. We're also thankful that our daughter got a good education at Rift Valley Academy. Uh, anyone in Africa, send your kids there if you can. And then she got a college education at a Christian college. And we're praising God that she was... Uh, able to finish school without any debt and then she found met a nice christian man there and uh, they're happily married and had their first child and our first grandchild marianne congratulations so for our daughter maggie joe and her husband trevor mm -hmm. and uh, their their child and they live on the other side of town yeah awesome. i was just gonna ask if they're close yeah we're just so thankful for all the people that have been with us for so many years and have prayed for Maggie Jo along the way. And I think every, all of us are praising the Lord for how he's worked in her life and um, provided for her. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. And how old is Marianne? She was born April 10th. There was a, a pretty good contingent from Faith Missionary Church who came to our daughter's wedding. Really? Life. Really? So it was pretty cool. Wonderful. Because they had prayed for her since she was an infant, you know. Yes. And they really felt they owned her as much as we did, which was just heartwarming to me. That yes. They that much to show up to her wedding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's your favorite part about being grandparents? Have you been able to see her often since you have been quarantined? <laughs> Not often enough. No. Oh. Uh, I think just seeing that, um, seeing the way the life cycle goes on, you know, and just thinking, you know, I had a grandmother, I didn't really care about her, <laughs> you know, <laughs> realizing that she probably loved me dearly, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and understanding that this child, you know, her parents are what's important to her, not her grandparents, mm -hmm. but we love her dearly, and I think, too, just the responsibility of praying for her. Mm -hmm. My parents prayed for Maggie Jo or my mother. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's neat to see the next generation roll around. Yeah. And buying her cute clothes. Of course. <laughs> well, how would you answer All that the question? What's uh, the best part about being a grandfather? Yeah, uh, yeah, she doesn't do a lot yet. But that doesn't mean that we don't like just to go over there and look at her and hold her and and uh, talk to her, reader like books. to talk to her, read her books, and just spend time with her mm -hmm. and just kind of look at her. But that's what we did with Maggie Jo when she was little. Was like we just looked at her and played with her and just loved her. Just that feeling of you know of love and uh, attachment. Mm -hmm. So. And they've done nothing to earn it, and yet we, like, just melt all over them. <laughs> there have been other babies, but Marianne is the best. 
I love that you said that. That's great. <laughs> She's above the rest. No one's in Marianne's league. Nope. Now you got it right. That's what a grandpa is supposed to say. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Jeff and Peg Shrum. In the interview, you heard them express their need for intercessory prayer and encouragement. If you feel that you could join their team and help meet this need, I'd encourage you to click on our commitment form. It's linked in our show notes. It's also available on our GoTime website. If you have questions for the Shrums or about missions in general, go ahead and email your questions to missions at faithliveitout.org. Any other questions regarding GoTime or GoTime events, you can visit our homepage, faithchurchindy.com, or our GoTime page, faithchurchindy.com slash GoTime.